One. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Bottom of the Ninth Podcast. I'm your host, Elijah Rodriguez, and today we are here with Jason Colloran um, over with Kin- the Kinetic Arm in Atlanta, Georgia. How are you doing today, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. Awesome. We're happy to have you here, man. You've got a really unique product. I think that it's it's something that not a lot of people have seen, I don't think, in, in this whole industry. I think it's much needed. Um, so kind of give us a little bit of your background and, and kind of how you got into this space. So I grew up playing baseball. I was uh, sponsored to play growing up, you know, because we couldn't afford it. And uh, my arm hurt from age age 11 till you know, mid 20s when I finally stopped. Uh, you know, yeah. like like so many, we're all chasing that dream. Um, but yeah, a big goal of it is to get back and sponsor kids to play that can't afford it and, uh, you know, yeah. prevent a lot of these senseless injuries that are happening. So, um, you know, bounced around from a couple colleges, had plenty of injuries with the elbow, the shoulder. Um, you know, broken bones, torn muscles, things like that, and just didn't stop. And um, then I was done with baseball. You know, I was kind of, I was kind of frustrated with how it never evolved uh, on the training side and how we always did what my coaches told me, but I was always injured. So I was working okay. with stroke victims, had brain injuries, uh, but I started having more kids coming into my office, you know, with elbow and shoulder pain. And there's so much right. that even the physical doctors are missing. So I thought, okay, well, you know, if we're going to put a dent in this arm injury epidemic, then we've got to offload stress externally. That's the only thing we haven't tried yeah. yet. And that, and that kind of was, so, so when you say you had your office, so what, what were you doing at the time before, like when you decided that there was this big, obviously piece missing in baseball, whether it was recovery, whether it was arm care, however you want to describe it, people have different terms for it. What were you doing at the time? I know you said your office, were you doing physical therapy at the time? No, I'll, uh, I opened up Elite Edge Training Center in Atlanta back in 2012. So I've got okay. Force Performance Center. Oh, I went okay. through all of the uh, the muscle activation techniques, mastery classes, resistance training specialist mastery classes. So it's a it's a unique combination of skill sets. And then having been through the training in baseball, um, I was joking, say I've either rehabbed or I've either had to rehab somebody through just about every injury you can think of at this point. Um, but I. I started, yeah. uh, you know, kind of teaching for physical therapists and consulting for medical professionals. And I'll teach a class here at my facility about, you know, okay. resistance mechanics and um, just all that's missed in whether it's sports training or, you know, training special populations. Yeah. See, that's so cool, man. That's so awesome. I know I, I went to school for exercise and sports science, but didn't get that in depth to it because um, I just kind of came into this whole baseball space. But that's something I definitely I interned at a strength and conditioning place where we worked with a lot of pro guys and rehabbed. And I learned a lot there, but you took it to the next level. That's awesome. Um, so, so you see this, so you notice this whole space where it's like, okay, kids are still getting injured. It, it's more and more prevalent. I have, I have, I have all kinds of stats. I've looked it up. It's, it's insane. The amount of arm injuries. I mean, it's almost like, and I've heard, I've heard crazy people say like, well, you know, your arm is like, um, it's like a rubber band and the more you throw, it's just like, you're just tying till your UCL is going to rip. And it's just like, it, it's going to come to you no matter what. Right. Is that, is that, have you heard that? Is that technically supposed to be true? I, I've heard. I've heard that from a lot of different people, and I don't know if it's true, but you would be the person to ask. I feel like it's kind of a, a cop-out answer. So if we think about it, injuries or recurring injuries happen for two reasons. Your training methods failed you, mm-hmm. and then um, if it happens again, you didn't identify and correct the potential mechanism that caused that injury. Right. So that it's, it's just kind of sad and disappointing that baseball as a whole just accepts that this many people are going to get injured, you know, and then your shoulder and elbow – they're a problem for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's not just, okay, you can't play little league anymore. Um, but for me, it's like, if we can keep these kids on the field, then they can learn those valuable life lessons, yeah. you know, be a team player, things like that. And um, 
but to hear things like that where they just expect to have it, I've heard that mm-hmm. a lot recently, yeah. especially, uh, you know, kids say it's not a matter of if, but when. Right. Um, and it's it's just sad to hear that that's kind of the, the mindset instead of, okay, let's learn more about musculoskeletal function and neuromuscular system and, and how we can prevent this from happening. But then we've got, you know, uh, all these lightning in a bottle places where <laughs> kids show up and just want to get their velocity up. And guess what? I get a ton of those kids yeah. in here from some of the most popular programs blew their arm out one to two weeks after leaving it's not sustainable no you know man i think and and i I, i'll I'll touch on this just because it's like you know you look at the at the you can look at like as a baseball guy and i'm sure you can appreciate this it's like if you look back 10 years ago the average like and i use major league because that's the most stats we have the most the average major league fastball was like 94 about 10 years ago then you fast forward five years past that the average fastball goes up to 96 and now the average major league fastball for a starter is at 97 to 98 miles an hour that whole that that trans that wow. that that transgression shows you that we're obsessed as a as a baseball culture with the hundred mile an hour fastball. And now you see guys that are doing it more and more and more and more, and that seems to be like the new threshold for what pitchers are going for. And I know you you said that they have like there's like drive line, and I I don't know for sure where these guys came from. I'm not calling anybody out, but like there's drive line, there's top velocity, all these places where they're like you're gonna throw hard, you're gonna leave, and we're gonna make sure that you leave throwing harder than when you came in. I think that that is kind of I don't I don't want to say it's a problem, but I think that people are over obsessing over the hundred mile an hour, the, the the fastball, because it's just causing more issues than it than it's worth, right? I mean, can you pitch or can you not pitch? People are just obsessed with it. I think that's the what it comes down to. Yeah, that's about mm-hmm. it. And just so you know, so those places don't think that it's um, you know a jab at them. The problem is these athletes mm-hmm. aren't conditioned to do that going in. Um, right. I've had athletes that do their, their remote programs, you know, I won't name which places, but I think all of them at mm-hmm. this point, and when they come in, they have no active internal or external rotation on their drive leg and they have no trunk rotation right. to their throwing. So why haven't these mm-hmm. issues been identified and corrected beforehand? It's because they don't have the skill set. So, but that's right. the same thing with, uh, you know, physical therapy as well. I've had a lot of guys come in after uh, injury or surgery, they stretch, beat up, smash the arm. They think the range of motion is good. But if that wasn't the mechanism that caused the injury, right? You're just gonna have to yeah, happen again. <laughs> yeah. So that's the crazy. That's crazy. And then, you know, yeah, and then they'll, uh, you know, they'll ramp guys up to uh, to throwing hard, but it's not sustainable. So again, it's you know, it's mm-hmm. not a knock on those programs. And if you know, if it wasn't them, it'd be somebody else. It's kind of like the big travel ball companies. Um, we're quick to point <laughs> oh, the finger, man. but yeah, nobody's man. showing up to your doorstep saying, "Hey, if you don't put little Timmy in this tournament." he's never going to play baseball, you know? So it's, it's kind of almost, you know, the blame has to be accepted by everyone, but as a whole, I mean, we've got to stop just expecting that these injuries are going to happen because we can prevent preventable injuries. And, you know, you'll hear the, Oh, well, throwing's not a natural movement. I mean, I'm pretty sure we've been throwing rocks and spears for how long. So you could say that <laughs> jumping is, a natural yeah. movement, but if you yeah. jump off your roof, you're probably going to hurt yourself. Right. So it's, it's the load, yeah. it's the progressions, it's the intensity. There's a lot of variables. So, um, and then we hear the pitch clock being blamed. It's like, you know, at the big league level, how are you still not preventing preventable injuries? But you knew this whole time the pitch clock was coming. So why have you not conditioned mm-hmm. your athletes specifically for that demand? Yeah. Yeah. It blows my mind. That's, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You would think no. like, and the funny thing was like, everyone was acting like, like, oh, the pitch clock came out of nowhere. I'm like, okay, if you're in the big leagues, you knew that this was coming for at least three. This wasn't something they just spawned up like, oh, in the summer or the off season one year. We're like, oh, we're going to try this in two years. No, 
this has been a progression of something that was coming. And, the, and if you're in the big leagues, you knew. You knew it was coming. It was kind of just like, will it be this year? Or will it be next year? That's how it was going to be, right? Mm-hmm. And I think like you, like you look at, I think a prime example is like Alec Manoa. I'm sure you saw his downfall and, and all that. I think that's a prime example, like someone who wasn't ready to handle the pitch clock where he's ready every 20 seconds, 20 seconds. And it's like that times 100 pitches a start either going to wear down your body and wear down your joints and muscular tissue, or you're just not going to be able to handle that, that threshold. And then you're going to suck. And it's just going to go in. So a whole nother, that's a whole other conversation, but, but I agree with you. I mean, these are things that they should have known about, especially medical professionals and people that are training these athletes. Like, how do you not, how do you not know that at this point? But I, we digress, we digress anyway. So, so you, so you see this gap in your, in your, in your rehabbing these kids. When was there ever like, so I know now it's, it's the kinetic arm and it's a whole sleeve. If anyone hasn't seen it, I, I, I implore you to go and check this, this, this product out. It's amazing. We're going to have a video out here pretty soon for it. Um, was it ever going to be just a sleeve or was it always going to be something that wraps around the whole shoulder and goes around the body? Like how did that product development kind of go into play? So it took probably three, close to four years to figure out. Um, so in that, you know, one of the classes I took, we learn all the origins and insertions. Um, so it's like 300, you know, specific positional muscle tests, things like that. So just knowing where things elongate, uh, you know, mover stabilizer, where there's going to be more stress. Um, so the, just the basic part, we know that peak stress happens at max external or end layback. So that's where we need to offload the stress. So then we're thinking, right okay, how can I develop an external muscular system and have like kind of anchor points? And then it's not a rubber band. It's, you know, it's called a modulus of elasticity. So have kind of the stretch recoil dot in it to where, you know, it's not just going to sling your arm forward. We just need it to almost kind of dampen that stress a little bit externally. And then, you know, you still have to use the muscle. So you're not going to have any atrophy or things like that. Um, so the, I had some pretty ugly contraptions I made. I borrowed an industrial sewing machine. Um, it looked like scuba suits with a tubing, but they worked and you could feel it. So then it was, yeah. okay, how, how am I going to make this? So we started going through some rounds of prototyping. Um, and then the perfect arm is the first one that we had. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't glamorous, but if you wait until something's absolutely perfect, you waited too long because there's plenty of athletes that we were able to help, you know, in the meantime, before developing you know, the new mm-hmm. K1 and the, the K2 sleeve that you have. Um, so it's, it's been a process of, right. um, you know, trial and, you know, how can I make this better? So we're, we're constantly trying to refine it. Uh, so we'll have a couple of versions coming out in the future that are more geared towards rehab that have uh, maybe a dial where you can adjust it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the patentability, mm-hmm. the patentability was, that was the tough part. Um, but we got through that because, you know, we were very specific yeah. with what it was doing. And, um, you know, we had plenty of great data to show. So that's, that's kind of how we got to where we are now, just continuously improving the design and then really wanted to have one for youth because when these kids are throwing so much, um, it's pretty ridiculous. So now we've got yeah, that can get them, you know, back in the game faster. And I don't know if you've seen the reviews that we have, um, but I mean, it's these parents, they've reached out and asked, you know, how can I get the word out? Can you make me some material to pass out? Um, so that's, it's been an incredible journey, yeah. you know, meeting some really good people, um, that are supportive and, and that's been that's been the most fun part of it definitely just hearing that kids are able to get back in the game and play yeah. pain free yeah it's you know that's and that's funny because like <clears throat> not a lot of people taking it like and we'll talk about youth i know you brought that up with youth kids i mean it's like the do you see a lot of kids i know and, and in your profession do you see a lot of younger kids coming into you and are coming into your facility and asking for rehab or, or their kids that are hurt are you getting a lot of younger kids or is it still more of like the 
high school, college area guys, or is it is it starting to bleed into more of the youth? <clears throat> uh, it's it's a good mix. I'll get some, I'll get some um, kind of you know well known MLB guys that might travel here, um, you know, to identify mm-hmm. you know what the mechanism that potentially caused that injury was, correct it, and then elbow pain goes away, um, or if they're in town playing right. the break. Um, but getting the kids coming in, the kids and the, the teenagers, so like the high school, college, it's usually I end up being kind of their 911 because, you know, they've tried PT for X yeah. amount of months. Um, their doctor cleared them, and they still can't figure out why they're, they're not able to throw without pain. Um, so that's kind of mm-hmm. what I specialize in. So it's, it's been kind of all across the board, but I'd say around that high school age, um, that's probably what we get the most of. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's like because you know, I have an example. So I coach, I coach a youth team in the spring. We play from like February to May, and I remember there was this kid, and and he, he uh, his his mom comes to me and she's like, "Hey, I'm going to take my son to uh, physical therapy because his arm, his elbow's hurting." And and of course they freak out. Elbow once the elbows flares up, people, you know, they they draw the panic. They start freaking out because they immediately think UCL Tommy John. And I was like, "Well." you know, how much has he been playing? Where is he playing? And I was like, she goes, well, he played, he's played every weekend for the last two months straight. And I'm like, okay. And now he's playing here during the week and he's a catcher, but he pitches in his, on his select team. And I'm like, you don't think that maybe he's throwing way too much. I mean, this is every day we have practice every, we have two, three games a week. Plus he's playing probably six, seven games on the weekend. I'm like, give the kid a break. Like the, the kids these days are just nonstop going, 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 going as if they're going to get drafted when they're 15 years old. I'm just like, guys, this is, it's all, it's crazy. But the more, like, it's, it's insane. Like, I think I saw <clears throat> my, um, I have a family friend whose son is 15 and he's going to have Tommy John at 15. I'm like, that is ridiculous. He's 15 years old. That means that this had to have been an overuse problem when he was 13, 14 years old. And it's just, it's getting out of hand. It's getting out of hand, man. I, I can only imagine the things that you see in here. <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets interesting. Um, but what they don't realize is uh, there's that repetitive <clears throat> micro trauma, or that you know, just the the small damage that happens and accumulates over time. Um, and then it's like you know something like static stretching. Why are we still doing that? It makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, it causes muscle inhibition. It can cause impingement. Um, and I've never seen anybody go, you know, past parallel. And then they talk about a glenohumeral internal rotation deficit. Well, yeah, your arm's not on a swivel. So the fact that they try to, you know, guys sound smart with, it's like, oh, you got girt, you yeah. got girt. Well, what do you think is going to happen when you keep stretching into external rotation? Yeah, you're going to lose some internal. So just the, the lack of common sense. And I'm on, uh, you know, email list for some of these popular baseball PTs and trainers. And um, it just, it blows my mind that even, uh, you know, guys that are supposed to be smart and at the forefront are, are still so far behind and the injury rate reflects that. So do you, let me, let me ask you this. So I know you say like, and, and I, I'm, I'm 100% with you in the fact that baseball and baseball rehab and baseball arm care and prevention is very far behind. Like, like it, it upsets me when I hear like what I told you where people are like, well, you're going to get it. If you're a pitcher, you're going to get Tommy John eventually. There's no way you can, you can prevent it. And I'm like, there has to be, there has to be, because there are pitchers in the league who, who go full careers and never actually hit that point where they need to get it. You know, I think that that, that's definitely a thing. And so do you think, let me ask you this. So do you think comparing, you know, the arm, like injury prevention and all that, all that stuff, do you think that baseball is behind or are all sports behind? Like, do you see it in football players? Do you see it in basketball players? Or is it something that you're seeing more and more injuries prevalent in just baseball as opposed to other sports? I think, I think baseball 
is more far behind because they're they're really concerned with things that don't matter all that much. Um, like take motion capture, for example. Um, you know, it, yes, you can get some data. There is a place for it. But have you ever seen a mechanic walk mm-hmm. a car drive down the street and tell you what's wrong inside the engine? No, it's not possible. So it's, no. <laughs> it's a superficial yeah. assumption of gross motor function, which means we've got all this stuff flying through space and they have no idea what's contracting efficiently, you know, what's worn down, um, where we've exceeded that stress threshold and causing compensation. Uh, but, you know, people pay a lot of money for it. If But look at all this fancy tech we have in the industry. Yeah. It's not going down. And I always ask, uh, you know, dads, they'll come in talking about the spin rate velocity. And I'll say, well, how much does the spin rate grow? <laughs> yeah. Then it, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, with baseball, I mean, think about it. It's In baseball, they stretch just as much, if not more, than any other sport out there. And look at the injury rate in the statistics. And then what happens when you get injured? Oh, yeah. you got to – Terrible. It makes no sense. It's not the solution. It doesn't It doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Right, but then also, you know – that That's what's most frustrating, yeah. Oh, the all the uh, you know the way guys train for it with the the barbells and the the medicine balls. Like, dude, slamming a medicine ball, a three year old could do that. There's no, there's zero vision with that. Like, okay, cool. And you're taking someone's money, but then with the barbells, all this heavy symmetrically loaded lifting. We don't. I mean, it's a rotational sport. We run, hit, throw. So all you're doing is tightening up those areas as an adaptation to that load. And then we've got all this mobility BS. So you're mm-hmm beating the crap out of the muscle tissue. Like, do you think that's good for the, the quality of that tissue as far as contracting? I mean, it's, it's terrible, but even the seated 90, 90 stretch, I mean, that's a great way to tear your hip labrum, but that's kind of, you know, trendy now. So I've seen a lot of torn hip labrums now as well. And, you know, didn't even really? see that ever. Yeah. Except like jujitsu guys, those are the only ones I'd see a torn hip labrum. on. That's insane. That's insane. So let me, let me ask you this. So let me pick your brain here. So, with all these places that are that are implementing these, like we'll, we guarantee you're going to gain six miles an hour on your fastball, and and we'll do whatever it takes to get to that point. Is there truly a way that you can like like? And the big thing is, it's always the off season, which is always the summer months. That's like we'll we'll get you throwing ten plus miles an hour faster in two months. Do you think that that is not a sustainable amount of time to truly gain like like to gain a true a, a healthy amount of velo? Would it need to be more? Is, is the time frame because that's really what people sell on? I'm sure you've seen it. It's like in a summer or in an off season, which an off season can, depending on where you're playing or where you're training, kind of it can be two, it could be six months, maybe. Do you think that them squeezing all that into those small fractions of time are what are causing people to get into the overuse section of it, or just not taking the time to truly, you know, look at the athlete, look at what prereqs he needs to get to the point where he can actually throw hard and, and sustain it and not blow his arm out is that is it a time frame issue or is it something that that could be more than that uh, i think it's both because if we are going to increase the velocity or you know force output we've got to have time for those adaptations to happen you know whether it's a, a tissue adaptation right um you know endurance um but the other part you mentioned is the assessments that are done on these athletes like a functional movement screen again you have no idea what's really working or not working so people will guess but um, you know, all the, all the training programs that I've seen, they just, you know, here's your, here's your workout. They have no idea, you know, what's kind of tightened up as a protective mechanism on the body, because if you have no internal or external rotation actively on your drive leg, 
and then had a local kid, you know, he was doing a uh, remote training program with one of the popular places. He's up at, you know, the um, NAIA school that, you know, wins a bunch of stuff. And they're having him max out on drop back. Yeah. So every time you're applying load to that hip that's already tight or that trunk, all you're doing is making it tighten up more. So you're losing range where you could be generating power, causing arm stress to go up. But they don't even know what to look for. So everybody that's like, oh, lift heavy, throw gas, like, shut up. Like, did you just start, you just started this? <laughs> yeah, that's not, yeah. Like, I mean, I get it. You're, you're excited, but that's not what you need to do. I mean, it, uh, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's also, you know, people get a degree and they think they know everything that they need. I've had, um, I had a coach from Jacksonville drive up. He got his master's in, uh, you know, exercise phys. And he said, man, I learned more in the past two hours than I did the whole time I was in school because they're not teaching you what you need to know. You got to remember the university is a business. Mm-hmm. They got your money. Cool. Are they really concerned with how successful you are in your career? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. But it's the same no. with you know, physical therapists. I've had a lot of physical therapists that were my clients and they always say, well, how come we weren't taught this? It's like, well, you got to keep learning, you know? So just, and uh, people yeah. always say, Oh, my, my coach or my trainer has been doing it for 10 years. And I say, well, if you've been in, kindergarten for 10 years does make you a 10th grader you know repeating the same element level stuff over and over doesn't doesn't mean you're good at it you probably suck even more because now you have this bias and you see people graduate and what do they do they revert back to the things that work for them or what they did in high school so it's you know the the cycle is just not breaking yeah. because um patients out there but i think social media is really contributing to the the downfall of well society but definitely um you know sports performance training because anybody with a social media account, you know, yeah. they'll just take your money and send you a cookie cutter program, and then you have a blowout. And then whose fault is it? No, they're they're like, oh no, well that's I'm so sorry that happened. I don't know, I don't know how to fix it. Sorry, yeah, that's that's their. But the thing, like that, you know, it's funny you say that. It's like the lift heavy throw gas, and then there's 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 multiple people on there that I know that I, big prevalent social media people that are like lift heavy throw gas hit bombs right it's like yeah but those two th- those three things in themselves do not correlate it sounds cool it, in theory it's like yeah if you lift really heavy which also you know tightens up your muscles if you lift really heavy and you you just you know go really hard it'll work but it's like no dude like that is the that is the path to injury and it's been proven over and over and over again that the harder you go and the harder you just push your body it's never actually going to mean anything it's never going to you may have you may have results here and there, but it's not like you said, like you said multiple times today, it's not sustainable and it's not a way that you should you should go about doing things. It's just not right. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I, I could go on and on about social media and some of the some of the people that have a voice that that very well should not because they're pretty much contributing to the problem. But that can go with sports, they can go with society. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, so let's talk more about kinetic arms. So so you build a prototype and are you know. It's an interesting product because when I first saw it, my girlfriend looks at it and she's like, what is that? Because she, she's not an athlete and I pull it out the box and I'm trying it on and I'm like, this thing's awesome. Like it felt good and, and, and I like that it had the wrist tightener. It has the thing here on your chest. You can move it. It's comfortable. It's not like – my thing when I first pulled it out was like, okay, this seems like a lot. Am I truly going to be able to, to throw with this without being bothered? And I put it on and I was like, oh, like it, it's, it's surprisingly like it, it feels free moving. It doesn't feel like one of those. Cause like when I throw a sleeves, I feel like my arm feels restricted. Like I can't, I can't move it all the way. I've never been able to throw in sleeves. So that was my first like concern. But the minute I put it on and started doing the throwing motion, you can feel like as you let go of it, the deceleration, it almost like takes the, it takes the feel away from you. Like 
going all the way through. And that was like the biggest thing because my, like my forearm always, always flares up on the outer half as well as the inner half. And when I threw the first thing I noticed is that my outer forearm did not, did not swell up. I was sore, but I had no, and obviously they say like the outer forearm is the decelerator. That's the muscle that's pretty much taking the blunt force of the follow through of the throw. And that is that right there shows that the product does exactly what it's intended to do. And is, and is that something I know and, and kind of getting back into the science of the, of the sleeve, it was it built to pretty much take off the load of the throw. Was that what the, the main point of the sleeve was? So uh, muscle strength is like a bell curve. So mid range, strongest end range, it drops off. So again, we know peak stress happens back there where everything's elongated and that's a passive mm-hmm. range. No thrower on earth can actively go back there. And then same thing, right. you know, deceleration. We see a lot of guys that have that anterior tilt or wing scapula because all that mass of so forces, mass times acceleration, you've got all that flying forward. So again, those, you know, scapular decelerators are at end range. So that was the thought process is, okay, we know where the muscular system is muscle stabilized joints. We know where it's not able to do as good a job as we want it to with offloading stress. And in turn, that goes to the passive right. issue. So that was the thought process. And when you said it doesn't feel um, like kind of constricting like a, a regular sleeve. So the, the reasoning behind um, on the K1, we've got an internal mold. And on the K2 that you have, we've got those specific lines of force. So those lines of force are right. the exact lines that we need to offload stress at the end of, you know, acceleration and deceleration. So that was, that was a big part of it. And then uh, coming up with kind of a, an anchor system. And then, like I said, the, uh, the stretch recoil, so the material, you know, how thick. Um, so that took, that took yeah. about a year to dial in. Uh, we're pretty, we're pretty pleased with how it came out. Yeah. It, it feels, dude, I'm telling you, you're, you're onto something. Cause that thing feels phenomenal. Like, like I said, I, I've always been weird about throwing with sleeves and that was like my biggest fear. And the minute I put it on, I was like, I'm throwing Sunday with this. And there's no question. <laughs> there's no question about it. Like, I don't care. I'm <laughs> putting it on. I, they can have a problem with it. I don't care. I'm, put, I'm wearing it the whole game and it, and it worked. Um, so as, as you guys have built that, is there, is there another, so, and obviously you guys are working with more than just baseball players at your facility, correct? I mean, it's all sports. Yeah. We've got a good mix of everything. Is there, is there plans for you guys to create maybe like something? Cause I know a lot of people have like knee and ACL and all those injuries. Have you guys thought about doing something in that realm to like kind of help with like maybe football players or other people going through other, other injuries or there, I guess my question, is there a second or third injury that you guys see so much of that you're maybe thinking of maybe not the kinetic arm, maybe like the kinetic knee or something like that? Yeah, I've got a, um, a whole lower version. Um, just wait. Okay. You know, just kind of waiting to to get the, the well we, we started the development process um but then as far as testing it'll be pretty exciting to test that and there's there's still another one uh for the arm that's going to come out um but it's i just i love to you know be a biomechanical problem solver and create things so i think um i think we'll keep you know yeah. putting innovations out there because like in baseball it's crazy to think that in all these years uh, you know, we still don't have anything to protect the throwing arm. And I actually had an orthopedic surgeon from Texas that does robotic joint replacement. He, he emailed us and I gave him a call. He said, man, I was trying to build this over 10 years ago, but I didn't understand the mechanical engineering component. Um, so we've had a lot of, you know, a lot of doctors and PTs that were really supportive. So that's, that's been, uh, again, part of the awesome process is, you know, just having people reach out like University of Texas. They just emailed out of nowhere. Hey, we did this study. It's about to be published. Like, wait, what? So 
What? That's awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Then we got, we got so approved, cool. approved to be used in game in uh, in the Japan Nippon Professional Baseball League as well. Um, then we had their WBC pitchers wow, okay. using it before then. So, yeah, it's been it's been awesome to see kind of the evolution of it. Um, we've got javelin throwers that are doubling their reps with no pain. It's pretty crazy. Um, quarterbacks, you know, tennis players. We've got uh, receivers in football too. You know, instead of the sully brace that would limit your arm. They can go up, and then it'll, mm-hmm. it'll help offload stress in that position and stabilize the joint, and then volleyball as well. So, yeah, we're looking to expanding, and, um, wow. you know, it's, it's what people love to do. So if we can keep them out there doing it longer, that's that's a huge win. Yeah, that's that's the, that's a dub in itself, keeping kids on the field, man. that's That should be the, the motivation. You'd think that would be the motivation behind coaches and everybody to keep them on the field as healthy and as, as stress-free as possible. But you know how it goes, right? You know how it goes. So let me ask you this. So, so as, as – as a training professional, and I, I, I did my own case study. I've looked around, and, and, and this is something that, you know, so for our podcast, if you haven't listened to it, we, we tailor a lot of stuff for kids and players that are coming up in the game that are looking for different ways to benefit themselves, which is why I was so happy to have you on here talking about this stuff because people need to hear it. Like, people don't want to hear this sometimes, but they need to. Um, and one of the biggest things, and, like, it goes back to the same thing with, like, these, these VLO facilities, what's your take on throwing weighted balls? Um, you know, it's a, it's a tool. No, that's kind uh, of an open-ended question. I'm sure. Right. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's the same way I'd answer, you know, people ask, what do you think about kettlebells or barbells? You know, it's a, it's a tool. Um, mm-hmm. the only thing that I like it for would be like straight down into the ground because the elbow is a hinge joint. It's a flexion and extension, right? So as we go back and the humerus torques right. forward, we get that dynamic valgus at the elbow. That's with throwing it, right. but if we just fire it straight down into the ground, we can work on getting that extra extra load at that end release point instead of trying to do you know work the forearm flexors like this. So I like you know firing it straight down into the ground um, because again we're doing elbow extension, forearm flexion. So we're not you know going against the structure of the joints. So to me, that's the the best thing to do. Um, but then I always ask people if you can wreck your arm with a five ounce ball, is it a good idea to use a heavier ball? And again, you know, forces mass times acceleration. Um, you know, we can look at studies, whatever, but there, there's really no accurate way to know how much stress is going to that UCL or what level of fatigue the forearm flexors are. So I don't, I mean, not to say, I don't think there's a, a place for it. I think it could be used in training, but um, you know, the fact that everyone's obsessed with, uh, you know, plyo balls, um, I mean, a lot of the new trends that are out and the injury rate keeps going up. So it's, you can't really, you know, say, well, it's gotta be this or it's gotta be that. I think it's a combination of all of it. Yeah. But see, I, see, I, I did a whole, oh, good. No, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was, gonna no, say I we, was just going to say I did. So I did my, we have a little bit yeah. of a delay here. <laughs> you go ahead. Uh, we do have, oh, yeah. um, Guys, we're, we'll tell them, you know, if you do have to throw weighted balls, then, you know, wear the sleeve with it because it's going to offload some stress. So that way you can still get the benefit of, you know, finishing with the forearm flexors um, without putting a ton of extra stress on the shoulder and the elbow. Right. So I did, so I did a, like a, we wrote a blog post and I did like weeks and weeks of research on, because I had so many people and kids like asking me and, and we got kids that I, or guys that I play with that are like, they live by the plyo ball routine. Like I'm going to throw plyos into the wall i have this like thing that i bought off of this one guy it's his plan and i'm kind of like man i just 
I'm like, I was so on the fence. And then I did research and like looked at all these different case studies. And I was like, it's pretty evident that weighted balls thrown under, under a certain supervision into certain programs can aid. It can. But majority of people throwing weighted balls either aren't supervised correctly, don't have the right mechanics, or are utilizing the whole thing completely wrong, or they're just, they're just, I'm going to throw these weighted balls so I feel good. And then that's causing more destruction than anything else. So I, I've, I just always ask, I ask a lot of medical professionals and stuff like that. What do you think? And what, what's your advice for weighted balls? And everyone says the same thing you say, well, it can be a tool, but most times it's, it's either abused or underutilized. It's not utilized correctly. So I, I think it's always interesting to hear what people say, even though I, I and I want it out there because people don't want to listen to it because it's this whole hot trend that, oh, we got to throw weighted balls. And it's, I promise it's not, it's not the sole reason you're going to throw harder. If you move your body more efficiently, you will throw better, you'll throw harder, you'll throw longer. That's what I always say. Yeah. And I think, I think a, uh, one thing I haven't seen it mentioned, you know, we always talk about the elbow, but if we've got the arm going back and if they have that anterior tilt already that no one's addressing, this posterior chromium is mm -hmm. going to kind of act as a, a fulcrum and it's going to create more of a distraction force. So if you're all the way back and lay back and your trunk's rotating and you've got more mass in this hand, that's more load. So that we think about inertia and objects resistance to change as we're opening up. So as far as that bicep tendon and labrum, I mean, you're probably looking at a, a fast track to a slap tear if you're just, you know, out there throwing them hard. Um, and like you mentioned, if your mechanics aren't, you know, dialed in, then um, it's kind of like if you have a bad alignment on a car. Okay, it's not too bad if you drive around the block or short distance drive that thing across the country fast mm. that's going to do a lot of damage so and then you know paint yeah. like a, a check engine light you know i i did it i just kept throwing through it and always ended up injured but that's another thing too is you know we've, we've got to stop when there's pain hopefully before but um yeah it's interesting yeah that's a it's a good take on uh, the weighted balls yeah man i mean so let me ask you this and i know you're you may not mm -hmm. want to give your your thoughts on this so Aside from all this, this I call it junk because there's so much crap getting spewed through the internet and people don't know which what to listen to. What is your advice on someone who's trying to throw harder and want to do it the safe and most efficient way? Um, I would say don't do the excessive static stretching. Stop the Olympic lifting. Train more... Uh, you know, lateral explosion, training more unilaterally and being explosive. I mean, I'll get guys in here, uh, you know, pro guys or college guys. I mean, they're as, they're as soft as a marshmallow. I mean, I had a, you know, their endurance is terrible. We're doing explosive stuff and I'll, you know, we'll start out easy. I don't have any, I got to see, you know, where their starting point is. And every rep is a constant assessment. Unlike everybody on social media, I'll go ahead, go yeah. harder. Um, so I've, I had, uh, guy that was throwing close to 100 come in he's bragging about how he can hex bar deadlift you know 600 pounds but i've got his back on a bench doing the single leg hip extensions and he can't even do 15 he said why is this so hard i said well because your work sucks but he wants to go do what all the cool kids are doing so i always say you know drink upstream from the herd and if you're training as far you know just like the rest of the pack you're only going to get as far as the pack um you know and he's not moving up um, but yeah, I think, I think those are some big things to avoid, you know, the excessive static stretching. And then you got to think too, you keep stretching your arm all the way back there. Well, why doesn't it stay there? Because the brain knows muscle stabilized joints and it's, it needs muscle tension there to keep it stable. So we've just got to take a step back. So I'd urge everyone to ask if you're doing something, step back and think, why am I doing this? 
what is the goal? And if you can't think of a goal or it makes sense, don't do it. It seems like common sense at times, you know, it seems uncommon sense is what I call it. Yeah. But the tough thing too is simulate these big leaguers and the way they're training. Um, And a lot of them, you know, their growth plates hadn't hardened yet. They're still young. So that's a, that's a big problem as well. You know, seeing that baseball prospectus statistic that, you know, injuries are up 44% in the big leagues from last year and kids are trying to train like those guys. So I think that's, that's really contributing to, uh, you know, the rise in injury rates as well. Oh man. I, I, it's funny you say that, you know, you see a lot of guys, the, the big thing is when you're, when you're growing up in baseball, you, you mirror and you analyze the guys that are at the biggest stage doing it. And what people don't, and I tell people this all the time, cause they're like, well, he, he loves so-and-so and he wants to play like so-and-so. I was like, that's fine. But so-and-so's body or whoever, whoever it is, like you look at pictures, like one of the, one of the few, I think that has the best mechanics and the best physique enough to, to really do it is Spencer Strider, the Braves. Yeah. I'm sure you guys know him. I think that the way his, you look at his progression, his story, he left high school throwing 84, goes to college, plays, develops, and actually develops his body with, with through strength and conditioning programs, through moving and mobility, now throws 100 miles an hour, and it looks seamless. And he's, ne- well, everyone has injuries. I'm not going to say, I'm going to knock on wood because I don't want to do that to him. But you can tell the way he moves and the way he operates, if you truly watch him, that that's a body that was built and made to throw 100 miles an hour and throw it efficiently, stress-free, easily. But then you got certain guys that like their max effort, I'm going to throw everything. And that's where the injury comes. You see a lot of high school kids that are like, I want to go play pro. I want to go play college. I'm going to throw like so-and-so because they throw really hard. I'm going to mimic those mechanics and maybe do some research on his training program. And it's like, yeah, but your body is not that body. And it doesn't always translate together. Do you see a lot of people that are coming in saying they want to do X, Y, Z? But it's like, hey, we we can get there, but we got to do it this way. You can't do it like that person. You got to do it like somebody else. Yeah, Spencer Strider, he, we went and watched him pitch one night. He's just incredibly efficient. You're right. Just looks looks pretty effortless. Um, we'll, usually if we have athletes come in, they might ask, uh, you know, if they see something on social media, what do you think of this? And I don't have any bias that mm-hmm. I cling to. You know, I'll look at it and, you know, from an objective point of view and say, you know, this part's good. We could probably leave this part out. Or here's how we could be more efficient. Um, so it's – it's always a constantly evolving process, you know, with the athletes, but we've got to progress only as fast as they're ready for. So there's uh, you know, I'll only, or in this facility, we'll only take on athletes that understand, you know, we're going to do it safe and efficiently. Um, we're going to have strategic progressions, could be micro progressions at some point. Um, but, you know, you can't move them to the next level unless they're ready for it. So we don't, uh, we definitely don't sell them on a dream. We're very realistic with it and say, you know, if you're, willing to accept that this is the pace we're going to move at as fast as you're ready for great you know if you want to pick up 10 miles an hour in a month then this isn't the place for you yeah probably not there probably isn't a place for you if that's what you want i i I firmly believe that it's just it's unattainable but we as a society are obsessed with instant gratification and want it tomorrow it's like yeah it doesn't doesn't work like that man but anyway so we'll talk about so I have to ask. So Nick Tanner, college burnout was the person that referred me to you guys and, and let me know. Cause he, I had been talking to him and was like, Hey, I can't, cause I went on a four week, um, cause I had a bicep strain. And that's when I told, cause we we're talking, he's like, Hey, how's it going? Cause we talk every so often. And I was like, yeah, well, I can't really throw right now. I'm kind of pissed off about it. Got, got, you know, got a bicep strain. He goes, Oh, Hey, you should, you should reach out. I gave him your information. That's how we came in contact. How did, how did you guys come in contact with him? I know he's a Georgia guy too, so I'm sure he's not too far down the road from you guys, but how did that whole, that relationship begin? Yeah, he, um, 
he went to college probably 30 minutes from here. I'm, I don't remember if, if he reached out or if we saw something and reached out, maybe I saw, I probably looked at his stuff and saw that he was local. Um, and then it, mm-hmm. it was kind of, you know, then he was on his, his, uh, you know, road trip tour out there doing, uh, doing his, yeah. I, he's, yeah. he's such a funny guy, even, uh, I mean, in person. Yeah, he's hilarious. A funny yeah. guy. Just someone that's consistent all the time, and that's who you are. That's, that's great. Uh, but the, the timing was interesting because, you know, he he said he threw, you know, more than he should have. You know, was in there a couple more innings than he needed to be. And, um, you know, his arm was pretty torn up. So uh, it's a time when it's perfect for him to start using the sleeve because he can rehab back. So I'll check in periodically. Hey, how's the arm feeling? How's it going with the sleeve? Um, so I think – you know, I think if he keeps using it, it'll be able to, to make a pretty good comeback. <laughs> I hope so, man. He, he's an awesome dude, man. He works so hard. That's the thing I admire about him, man. He's he's the yeah. same always, and he's always going to bust his ass and, and do what he can. And I think that's it's just admirable to watch. And he's got a whole big following, and he does some yeah. really great stuff. But I thought it was just super interesting. I was like, well, I mean, I'll try it out. I had never – and it was funny because he told me about that, and I was like, oh, I've never done anything like that. I've never been a sleeve guy or, like, the, where the, the brace is. And he was like, dude, try it. And I was like – I trust you. I'll try it. And I'm, I, I don't regret a thing. And I think that thing saved my arm. I think like truly like throwing, I, and, and this is, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Cause I was literally like baffled. I was like, cause my, my coach at the, on Sunday was like, dude, you're at 150. Like I, well, at the time I was like at 130 before I went out for the night. And I was like, dude, I feel like I just threw like a bolt. Like I just warmed up. I, I feel like I could throw all day long with nothing, with no pain. And he was like, I'm just go out there again. I mean, I'm not going to stop you. Right. You, you say you feel good. You feel good. And woke up i was almost nervous to wake up the next day like oh man how bad is this gonna be and i was just like oh my i don't i feel just a little bit like i feel kind of sore but i could if i needed to throw in three days i probably could it was just it's an insane feeling i really didn't expect to get that much out of the product it was it was truly like mind-blowing and i'm sure i'm not the first to tell you that i'm sure you guys have heard that multiple times yeah that's been it's just it's incredible to have people try it and and the the biggest skeptics always turn out to be the biggest supporters but We've got plenty of big league guys that, you know, they use it to recover faster in between starts. Um, so I, I wish we could use their names. Then we've got one team, they've got several positions wearing it also, but they have to cover it, you know, with uh, the brand that sponsors their gear. Right. Um, but just to know mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the product does work. Um, I think we're, I think we're getting past that phase of where people think it's a gimmick because it's new. Um, but I mean, you look at the testimonials, there's some pretty compelling stories from, you know, parents and coaches and athletes. Uh, so I think, I think we'll keep building, you know, a good organic following and, uh, but people just need to know that it is possible to offload that stress externally. Um, so it's, you know, yeah. again, we've, we've tried everything else, so it's probably time to give this a shot. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Well, Jason, you guys are doing amazing things. Um, Floor is yours if you want to let the people know what's going on with Kinetic Arm. We'll kind of wrap it up. We're hitting up that 45-minute mark. But if you want to let the people, the floor is yours. What's coming up next for Kinetic Arm? If there's any new stuff happening or whatever you want to tell the audience, it's yours right now. Awesome. Thanks. I'd say, yeah, if you get a minute, check out our, our social media. Give us a follow. Um, but look at the testimonials on there. You know, Check out the athletes and what they have to say. We still haven't paid a single dollar for any endorsements. Um, I haven't seen a product that has – the backing that we do from physical therapists and doctors, um, even the pro athletes, you know, that usually want some type of, you know, payment or endorsement fee. Um, right. the reviews, you know, see what you think. If you have any questions at all, uh, we've got some good videos on our YouTube channel. So I've got a theoretical model with a dyno so I can show you 
exactly how it works and then also show you it's not going to spring your arm forward. Um, but if there's any questions or anything that we can help out with, definitely reach out to us. We'd love to help. Absolutely. Well, th- like I said, Jason, thank you so much. This episode will be available on Friday. I think it's the the 28th. So this episode will be out then. We'll have posts, everything. It'll be on YouTube, all streaming services. But like I said, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time. And if you haven't, if you didn't hear his message, please go check out Kinetic Arm. You will not be disappointed. I promise. Um, but yeah, like I said, man, thanks, Jason. And we appreciate having you on, brother. Awesome. Thank you very much. For sure, man. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you in the next episode.